This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, today on the podcast, we have Kelsey Roten, who wrote this awesome graphic novel that is called Cannonball that I read recently and I absolutely loved. So we got her on the show and we're going to talk about being an artist and other, oh, also queer rom-coms. That happened right at the end. And boy, do we apparently have the same amount of knowledge about queer (laughs) rom-coms. Hey, also... I'm going to be in Chicago October 2nd at the Den Theater and in Salt Lake City October 14th at Wise Guys Comedy Club. Those are the only two dates that I have that I plan to do for the rest of the year. So if you live anywhere near there and you feel like you can make a COVID safe trip, please do so. Um, I'd love to see you there. And so many listeners have come out to the show so far, and that's been really special. You all have been like so incredibly supportive and it's been cute as hell enjoy the episode i've been feeling wrong but i'm still holding on darling i know i know i know it's careless hi hello oh i'm really excited to talk to you oh cool (laughs) i love this okay well (laughs) i love this yeah this is excellent i'm I'm glad you feel that way (laughs) i mean i i liked it i guess it's it's hard to like judge the quality of your own thing but it always is exciting when people get something out of it yeah i mean i i hear you well first yeah. of all let's start can you introduce yourself i always have guests introduce themselves okay um like just say like what i do and like what my deal is oh yeah it's kind of a fun choose your own adventure where people yeah I, like i can where, where it like means something to it's a bit of a roar shark yeah. Rush. Rush. <laughs> oh yeah. That's one of the, we were talking about like editing and the right way to pronounce words and just having like things like, Oh, record me saying Warshak, you know, there you go. You did it. She did it. <laughs> yeah. You, I don't it. actually know. Do you, what pronouns do you use? I use she or they. So cool. either works for me. Um, so I guess I'll do the introduction. Uh, my name's Kelsey Roten and I am a comics artist and writer as well as a freelance illustrator yeah yeah i mean that's that's something i was curious about right off the bat um because the thing that i so my my spouse um Mm -hmm. was i don't even know how she came across cannonball your book and then was like you should buy this you'll probably love it and so then I did buy it and then I did love it. Cool. Um, and then that's how we're here. But then yeah. after reading that, I was looking into sort of your other visual style stuff. And uh-huh. this feels a little different or maybe specific, you know, like yeah. uh, the art that's in Cannonball. It's not like uh, what all of your stuff looks like. Um, and so I'm curious about that, like just starting there. And again, for like a dummy that doesn't know anything <laughs> about. Okay. freelance illustration uh like like why why this visual style versus like a different one for a different project um I think I have like a a 
I could have like a really complicated answer to that, but great. The- That's where we're here. It's an <laughs> hour long chat. Get into it. Yeah. Okay. So for one thing, um, like as I've been working as an illustrator, like my style has developed in that realm of like, uh, a, like editorial, I, I primarily do editorial, which just means like, like the New York Times or something will be like, we need an illustration for this article. We need it in one hour. Just do it. You know, oh, is like, that really <laughs> what it is sometimes one hour. Yeah. It'll, well, it's never been, well, maybe it has been one hour, like maybe one time, but like the way that but they'll typ- typically do tight. that. Yeah. The way they'll typically do it is you'll get like a phone call on a Monday and they'll be like, you're on call this week you know, if you want to be. So at any point of the day, at any time, you could be called upon to do an illustration in like a matter of hours. uh, Do they pay you to be on call? um, Like, is there some amount of money associated with that? Yeah, they do. It's just like, it's an interesting thing. Like usually you do like three illustrations that week whenever you're on call. So it's kind of like, it's like high octane sort of stuff, I guess, in a way as far as like drawing can go, but, uh, that's what editorial is kind of like. So most of my deadlines on editorial are like day, like couple of days at the most a week. Does that mean you're like drawing into the night or like, what does that like, like, are you like, is it the equivalent of, you know, journalist who's like really on the clock, like trying to. Oh yeah. Deadlines are like serious. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I guess my question is like, I have no idea how long it takes to draw. So when you're like a couple of days, yeah. I'm like, well, I have, I have no scale for like, how oh, does that right. mean? Like going quickly? Yeah. So the style that I use for editorial is very fast. It's like the, what you're referring to is like colored pencil work. That's like super scribbly and like very direct and like impulsive, I guess. And oh, then wow. with cannonball, it's like, well, for one thing, I think I started so Cannonball is based on a short that I did while I was in my senior year of college at the Kansas City Art Institute in uh, 2015. And I think at that time, I was really thinking like, oh, like comics are <laughs> like ink drawings of people with dot eyes, you know? <laughs> it's like, this is the way you have to do things. And um, to some extent, like I've gone back and forth on that. Like I've done a comic in the style of my editorial illustration. I just really didn't think it like was a very good approach to storytelling because it's kind of weird. It's like hard to understand what's happening if you get too loose with it. So when I was doing Cannonball, I was like, okay, well, this is my first long form work of any kind. I that's the hardest part about starting a graphic novel is like page one, you have to decide what you're going to do and keep doing it to page like 350 or whatever, you know, like that one's only like 175. I'm working on like a 400 page book right now. And I'm like, okay, like this is what it's going to look like, I guess. But, uh, cause it's, it's like a weird thing to have to make a decision about, um, really early on. So with, with cannonball, I was like, I'm going to do this in a pretty efficient, straightforward way because it's the first time I've done the long form work. So I want to make sure that I feel confident in the approach that I can take and sort of just 
be able to communicate the story. Cause that was my, my biggest concern was like just straightforward communicating events that are happening Mm -hmm. and not having any sort of confusion. So that's really easy to do with, I mean, it's, it's just like the word efficient keeps coming up. Like I thought about it as an efficient way (laughs) of making this story, but I get that's not like, you know, like a, cool deep artist answer but that's the reason it looks like that but since then I've gotten a lot more confident with the way that I can approach books so I still do the ink thing but I'm like most of the stuff I do now isn't in color it incorporates like uh like pencil lines and stuff like that too that's a little more um expressive and less like uh clean I guess I don't know well, you said it communicates a story. Maybe you could just like summarize what your book is about. Oh, okay. So uh, it kind of run, goes off of uh, the time period in which I started working on this short, just thinking about trying to make a living as a commercial artist in, while you're still in college, like, cause I've studied illustration. So um, you are just like, oh, whoa, like, this is something that people, it's like famously difficult to do, you know, like working as like a creative person and also being like, like trying to figure out how to navigate the world in a way that uh, you can like pay your rent, you know, but also like feel like you're using this, uh, this, this skill set that's very like critical to your identity, like, people are artists, you know, it's like you kind of build your life around it. So if you're using that thing that you love the most to, I don't know, work in-house at some place that you hate, like, how does that affect your life, you know? Or like, if you are, in the case of like this book, it was like um, Caroline, who's the main character, who's kind of like, I would say like a stand in for my own feelings, but like my most negative feelings about stuff. So I've been, most people like don't like Caroline and I'm like, Oh man, like (laughs) I really liked hanging out with her, I guess. Um, Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's cause she's kind of an asshole, which is true. Um, But anyway, so I'm thinking like, it's funny. (laughs) I don't know. To me, um, just to pause on that for a second, I don't know. Yeah. It just felt very like, I'm not sure. I guess I didn't get that vibe. I think that what I was wondering about is like, what's that thing? Seems like she feels very res- overly responsible mm-hmm. um, to herself and the world to like be important and make a difference and like make the right choices. And, you know, that's something that I could relate to. Yeah. Um, and that like affecting you emotionally is also something I can relate to. I know that for, I think for a lot of queer people, but then like, especially for like a lot of young queer people, but maybe always, you know, the idea that like life is going to be hard and potentially stacked against you, but then like also you better do the right thing mm-hmm. um, is something that I think we navigate in a particular way, especially around things like social justice or like, capitalism like i like i just feel like i've i've like yeah, seen a lot I of, mean, you know super young people talking about like um 
not wanting to engage in a capitalist society while they're still in college. And it's that interesting moment of like, this is going to continue to be a more and more interesting conversation as you get a little older and you're actually in the workforce because it's different when you can look at something and hope who you would be mm-hmm. than actually be in the situations and find out who you will be. Yeah. Find yourself in those situations. I mean, I think it, uh, what I didn't say, but I was like, do I want to go, you know, like what path do I want to go down with talking about this? Like a lot of it has to do with um, the assertion of value over like your self-expression being measured by, by success and like success can mean money. Obviously it can mean uh, being popular. It can mean all of these things. And I think one of the things in, in, in the book, and, and I'm not saying that's like a true like representation. I'm saying that's how things tend to go you know, how people feel like to the outside world seems successful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, how many Twitter followers do you have or something? Uh, Though I don't think Caroline would use Twitter. (laughs) Uh, But maybe that would have been a cool, I didn't want to include tech, like social media that much. I did a little bit, but I just get annoyed by it and movies and stuff that I get, I kind of think about comics as movies. Like I write them as like kind of screenplays and then draw them. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Do you want to do you want to talk about what just happened? Because I think it's also interesting and we don't have to also we could cut this part out, but we could talk about it. Oh, I think it'd be relatable to people <laughs> like just, this that I like do things with my hands. This, like, like, you, were clicking a, you were clicking a pen with your hands, which makes sense because it's like. Uh, I guess I'm curious how often you are in this type of format, like talking about your work. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, right. So it, it is like an anxiety thing. Um I mean, not shocker, I guess, (laughs) but I, I have done, I would say I've, I've talked about my work a lot with people, but generally the only people who want to talk about comics are other people in comics. So it's, it's interesting to actually have, um, someone be interested who's not like a comic specific, like, uh, pod or a comic specific, like journalist, you know, uh, got it. Yeah. So the, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I like the sort of conversational format of this more than getting a set set of interview questions, but it does mean I like meander and like, (laughs) like do whatever it is I do. Um, but, uh, I think I'm trying to think of like what I was saying. It was something 
probably really good. <laughs> I think you were talking about, because we were talking about this book um, as you were talking about um, artistic um, success, like success yeah. being measurable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the story, Caroline is very much like um, on the receiving end of all of this sort of typical um, indicators of success, but it's over something that she feels like is is being fundamentally misunderstood. So it's kind of like, um, I suppose it's like, it's like a double-edged sword, I guess, in a way where it's like, you are getting all of this stuff that you thought you wanted and then realizing that now you're stuck doing that thing. Cause like the way that's kind of, um, shown in the book is like people asking like, when's there going to be a sequel? When's there going to be all this? And like people having like important feelings about, a, about a work, like, uh, it's, I don't know, just like kind of engaging with a very present fan fandom, I guess, in a way too. But um, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's, it's like reflective of my own feelings sometimes. It's like if you uh, have this thing that you really want to do and you're like setting up your whole life to do it, and then you start doing it and you're like, well, this isn't what it was. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it would be. You know, it's like more work or it's not making me happy or it's like, whatever, you know, even if you get everything you want, uh, one of the things that's up with her that, that you kind of touched on was this feeling that she has to be important. Um, I kind of, the way I kind of structured it was this person who is like very, um, self-deprecating but has a huge ego like a like a, a narcissist who hates themselves like that's kind of like <laughs> how I would describe that it's um and those like, things go well together actually I mean I feel yeah like, I feel like that's a maybe a <laughs> it's it kind of just and it just is what it is yeah. it just yeah, is what exactly. it is you're you're constantly trying to find meaning for your own existence and like the way other people perceive you, you know, it's like, it's, it's a really like messed up way to be, but it's also like how, how else, you know, it's like you, you're kind of at a point where you're like, how else can I judge this? You know, it's like, is it from my own? I mean, ideally it'd be like from your own enjoyment of, the thing that you're doing, like I, I started, I started, I've never trying. had that experience one time. So <laughs> you've never, I'm, you're not, you're not having a good time right now. You hate this. <laughs> it was not, Well, first of all, no, that's not, what I, but also like, kind of like, it's not like, I mean, just because it's all a job, you know, I think like, I yeah, think that, um, the convergence of like work and art is like, it, it hurts, you know, it's like, it doesn't feel good. And I work that's as a, a commercial point. artist. So it's like, that's what I do, you know? Yeah. And like, for me, like comics are my most expressive, like where I feel like I can actually do what I want. Uh, and even though I've been like, I mean, I'm really lucky to be able to do what I do. Like, I'm like, I don't think I could do another job. I really like freelancing and being my own boss or whatever. I mean, there's right. like a lot of downsides to it. Uh, like where you kind of exist in this uh, liminal space to the government 
And they're like, we want to like take your money, but we don't know like how much to take or like health insurance or, you know, vacation time. Like there are a lot of these things that are really given whenever you like work for somebody else. It's very much like completely gray area if you have to decide it all yourself. And that may sound like really cool, but what has ended up happening to me is like, I feel like I can't take vacations because jobs are so sporadic that I have to like take them when they come. You know, I don't get to be like, oh, well, I'm going to turn all the, everything I get down this week. Because if I do that, it's like, okay, like I might not get another job for three months. You know, it's like a really interesting way to be. And in school, I was like, oh, it'll be like being a cowboy or something. Like I like pictured it as being a cowboy. I was, you know, just kind of like, uh, what do cowboys do? They like lope around. What do they do? <laughs> they like just kind yeah. of wander around on their horses and like, you know, breeze on through town to town, like doing whatever they do and then leave. Like that's kind of what I thought freelancing would be. Like no sort of like long-term commitments to any one thing. And it I is mean, that's funny. Like that. Cause I don't actually know. It's like, I totally, <laughs> I totally relate to that, but I'm also not even sure if that's what a cowboy actually does. Like, I think that they, well, I think I, that's I, also a job. And anyway, it's just like our it's, I was thinking of a cowboy is like an identity. It's like, yeah, you were thinking is, of a wanderer. Like, like a, like a wandering cowpoke. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like hard to even. I'm very romantic very like yeah exactly exactly like, like even the reality of that thing is like pretty yeah I think yeah. it's like pretty early mornings <laughs> yeah know, like, yeah I can't wake up that early I can't be a cowboy yeah, so, <laughs> um but, well, I, guess- but I do I do understand what you mean and and um you know I certainly know what you're talking about about like carving out time you know for self um and turning things down you know I I also Yeah, I think that it's when I'm very lucky to be in charge of myself. And also sometimes it it does feel like I wish somebody else was. Yeah, it would, t- it would tell me what to do. Like, sometimes <sighs> I just want to be like told what to do for once. And like, because sometimes you'll get something that's put in front of you and you'll be like, wow, that's sounds terrible. But I'm should I take it? You know, like, or that sounds really great but it's going to stress me out a lot. Like, should I take it? You know, like no one's going to like tell you that. And the other thing about it too is like, uh, anytime you've hung out with people who like work places, they have their coworkers and they like, well, I'll hang out after work and like complain. (laughs) And like, anytime I try to complain, it's like, um, oh, you know, you, you wake up at noon. Like, what do you have to have to complain about? You know, it's like, it's an interesting way to be. And like, that's what the book is about a lot is like, cause I started writing it before I really was doing the freelance thing, but with like a full intentionality to do it. And I, as I was writing like the long form version of it, I had more experience doing like, commercial art I guess and so I was like I had all these like feelings I wanted to get out about it that they're all all kind of like there there's like a lot of negativity you know and I get that it's like uh 
I think really what it is is like um, see, and this might this might be one of those words that I'm like, uh, let me look it up. Let me look it up. Maybe I should just make a computer say it. Uh, so like you know, a, a Bildungsroman is like yeah. a coming of age. Okay, well there's like another one that's, uh, but I always forget what it is. It's coming of age too, kind of, but it's specifically of an artist. Oh my god. Um, let me see. It's it's has the Roman thing at the end because that's like, and I think it starts with a K. Let's see. Oh yeah yeah. Maybe I'm not going to be able to find it. But anyway. Some um, listener will tell us <laughs> what it is. Because I, I don't want to just be like making up a word, but that's what I would be doing if I didn't look it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Um, did you find it? Yeah, I did. But I'm, I'm even less. <laughs> I'm even less. Uh, it's even worse than I thought. <laughs> so it's like a uh, Kunstler Roman. It's like got a million R's. It sounds it. like you did a great uh, job. I'll go with it. And it's got um, umlauts too. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do with those? Uh, but it's just like a, a uh, like an artist's growth into who they're going to be. But, or at least like interacting with their own creativity in a way. So that's, that's kind of what I thought of it as. Uh, as well as being like what was on my mind at the time, you know? And I think the book for me was very cathartic. Like I got a lot out. Um, And now it's also like I said, like my first book. So it's like very close to my own life. I think that's kind of like a, not like a rule, but it's a very, it's like a common um, thing to do, I guess. Like it's uh, for your first book to be almost your life. Because, totally. uh, you know, people are always like, write what you do or whatever. It's like, well. Uh, well, it's also been like stewing for the longest. In my experience, you know, it's like the, you like can't, you know, get under it without. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Like yeah. you have to go through it. Like yeah. there's no, you have to preposition all yeah. over it. You know, you have to get through, you have to get over it. You have to get totally. around, around it. Like all, well, you can't, or maybe of, that's. Off, you, onto. Yeah. <laughs> about above across there, the door against Mung Round at before behind below beside between butt by concerning. That's, okay. I can well, do the now, whole preposition song that's from high school. I don't, you know, I I could keep I going, thought I was gonna to be the preposition it. expert here and <laughs> I've just been I should quit now. Um uh, but so but uh Kelsey, I think the, something that I'm wondering about is like if what you're describing is actually some unhappiness in as you are able to do this thing that you wanted and like yeah. i think that is very i think it's very human and i also think that it's well, i mean getting to choose anything is a privilege like getting to choose okay. where you live getting to choose like a partner like you know not everybody gets to do that and certainly about work yeah. not everybody gets to choose what their job is mm-hmm. um But, you know, something that I find to be true is that, like, when we do get to choose those things, then I feel like there's a lot of self-imposed pressure, at least there is for me, to, like, find 100% happiness. Um, Because, like, I set this up for myself, so then, therefore, like, you know, I must be happy all the time with it and in every way. And I just think that's pretty unrealistic, but I also think it's something that I 
am only realizing now that like it's oh. you say yeah oh, in such a shocking way in such a shocked way. oh well i've i'm starting to realize it too more now and also whenever i was i mean the book is becoming more true to me <laughs> yes like after oh I've been great news with- i think it's that i think that that's going to continue is what i'm trying. yeah <laughs> but that's like also like kind of uh, very rude of me to do to myself, you know, like yeah, I have this thing totally. where I'm like, ugh. but yeah, it, it's like, I don't know. Like there obviously are very real, uh, things that can make you unhappy, make you, it's almost like just saying, make you happy, make you unhappy. is just not how happiness works. Like there's nothing you can really do to make yeah, yourself right. happy. There's nothing you can have to make yourself happy. It's like, a mindset or something. And if you are difficult, if it's difficult for you to get in that mindset, then it's like, it's just difficult. Like everything's hard. Sure. It's, I mean, I would even label I, it an emotion. And that's why I, I said yeah. unhappiness, not like making you unhappy, but just unhappiness or happiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also maybe that, like, that that's part of the, disil- the disillusionment of getting the thing that you've always wanted and realizing that it doesn't, you know, if you're like, have this deep sort of well of insecurity it's not going to make you feel any better even if you have this outside source of something like success in air quotes uh that should be like you know or or the word should even there's so many words i don't really like like i don't like bring you happiness i don't like should it's just it's like uh it's it's just an it's an interesting thing to come into contact with because I don't think that ne- you're necessarily emotionally prepared to be disappointed by your fantasies if you even get if you get to live them. And that's that like a very well interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, the fantasy is well, always going to be better than the thing itself because it's a fantasy. That's also why it's like I, not real. You know, yeah. That's also why I applied like, you know, relationship or. Um, where you live or something like that, because something might bring happiness into your life, but like, it's not going to make you happy. And so there's like a big yeah. difference there. And I think, I think that it's, it's, it's a big difference, but it's pretty nuanced. And yeah, um, it's not, it's not like a light switch. That's like, Oh, this person came into my life. Light switch is turned on. I'm happy. Or like, Oh, I got this job. I always want and light switch is turned on or I moved to the city I always wanted to live in or whatever. It's like, everything is kind of challenging in its own way. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, it really has to do with, with work and having things, you know, ultimately it's like the, cause you know, I wasn't feeling this way when I was like working on comics and like the, fifth grade or whatever, like during science class, you know, it was like fun. (laughs) And that was because it was like, it didn't have these ulterior motives of like, you know, trying to make an efficient comic that communicates a story, you know, it's like, uh, that I was very concerned about these other things like making that. And then, you know, Cannonball was released, I think in like 20, I don't know, like 2019, uh, and, uh, the way I thought that you would have come across it is it won the Lambda for, uh, 
graphic novel, the graphic novel category, because they just kind of put, they put all the graphic novels together. Um, and uh, that was really exciting for me because it kind of came out and then nothing happened. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, right. like whenever you are publishing a book, it's like the day before your book comes out is the day before your book comes out. And it's very similar to the day after their book comes out. <laughs> It's like, there's not like a, you don't get to Ferris Bueller down the block, you know, because you released a book. It's like, totally. I mean, but, but that's like the way that you kind of think about it in your mind. Sometimes it's like, oh, once I publish this book, once I achieve this very, you know, like <laughs> what's the word is like, uh, I'm trying to think of like what word I mean here. Um, I keep coming to corporeal, it's like a corporeal, like sort of manifestation of success, a published book that exists in reality in three dimensions. It's like, I pictured myself literally like sleeping on it. Like I can sleep well if I put this book under my head because no one can take that away. And, uh, I was like, kind of shocked by how not different my life was after it came out. And that's another like weird thing. Oh, I, I mean, I understand what you mean. I certainly have had those experiences. There's like something that I wrote like a long time ago that again, to sort of your point, um, like when I, I think like right after I moved to Los Angeles, so like almost 10 years ago, I was writing for the AV club at the time. I was just like writing a column about being a stand-up comic. And one thing that I wrote this, column that was like about um success and failure and one thing that I said in it like to sort of which is something I was thinking a lot about at the time which is like if you um like want to have a lifelong career and you happen to live like a long life then a lot is going to happen um and I think that that for me sometimes was very hard is, you know, is still hard to digest because I think I want, yeah, for like everything to change all at once for like there to be one magic thing that really, um, is the right thing. And I even know people who have had that experience and then they had to live their lives after that. And it wasn't necessarily who've had almost the opposite thing. Like, the book came out or whatever it was. And then like things were really different, but you still have to live uh, days after that. And I think either one. And and now you live with like this expectation because you've done something great and like you have to outdo that. You probably never will because there's just something about, it's like, I think what I'm kind of coming to with uh, my understanding of like what sort of like, popularity is is like it's coincidental I think mostly it's like yes you like do you do your best work and you like make something you really like and that's gonna like I don't know if we're putting it in a sort of like um probability game it's like that will increase the probability if you're actually caring about the project and like doing all that stuff but ultimately it's not something you can make happen I think and even if you were like, I'm going to study the 
uh, I'm an INTJ. I don't know. <laughs> this is like coming out here, but I'm going to study like all of these really popular whatevers. And then I'm going to find the formula and then I'm going to like make the story, you know, like here with a thousand faces or something. And, um, that even that like might not necessarily work because someone could look at it and be like, this is contrived because it is, sure. you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it's true. Just, but then the other thing that is also true is that, um, it's also entirely not coincidental because there are some people and some projects and even some like new businesses that are shepherded in a different way. Um, and I think that, you know, we live in a country that says, um, like, I think sometimes the bootstrapping, it's like, it's like, yes, yeah. it's totally coincidental. And then that also runs into, and it's also not coincidental at, all, coincidental at all, because the things that do, it's like, it's a coincidence sometimes if you happen to be in the right moment to catch fire, but then there are people yeah. who were working from a different starting line. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, in that that's case, really I, I am mixing metaphors and we are in a fiery race. Um, but assuming that that works, you know, so we're I all that, running around and we're all we're on, on fire. fire and we're running. But, you know, I do think that's important to know also. And and again, especially for like anybody that might be listening to this who, you know, like, let's say you don't have an art job, but you can't figure out, like, why can other people buy a house? But you can't buy mm -hmm. a house. And it's like, well, because intergenerational wealth has a, is a huge factor in who is able to afford a down payment. So that's. Like, yes, maybe some people also got a different shot at a job and that was coincidence, you know, and then there's also this not coincidental part and it, both things work together to um, yeah, make life pretty unfair. Like, if, it, yeah, like playing on easy mode or hard mode. It's like... Uh, <laughs> totally. So, yeah, or brutal mode. If you brutal if you, mode! <laughs> but, yeah. uh, like... Uh, yeah. So I guess what I'm more referring to is less like, like that's all there for sure. Like even having the chance to, to, to put your hat in the ring, you know? Uh, but then once the thing is created, it's life after that is like, like maybe it'll resonate. Maybe it won't, maybe it will. I, I just like think about it like in sort of I don't know, like Edgar Allan Poe terms. Oops, I picked up the pen again. Okay, go away. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you know, uh, and this might not be true, but like whatever, I'll say it's true. I think it's true. Uh, so, you know, Edgar Allan Poe was like a loser in his own time. Like nobody was into his work. And then after he died, um, he had like, an I guess someone like managed his estate and like made him famous uh, because she like advocated for him and like put his work out there in a way that he never really did. Um, and so now here we are like, however many, like whatever, like a hundred years later being like, Oh, everybody knows who Edgar Allan Poe is. It's like, but then would you argue like the work was bad because it wasn't popular during its own time? Like, I don't think you would. It's just kind of like the wrong time for it. So well, later on, sort it maybe it's the wrong time for it. I think what you just said there is what I was thinking about with this, the success of something um, often also depends on the PR and marketing budget that's behind it. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's, 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 that's what I meant true. in terms of like not necessarily <laughs> things having a level playing field. Like some of the reasons yeah. we know about things is because there are folks like, there's there's businessmen in some conference room somewhere that like 
are not cool that are yeah you know, they're like this this graphic novel will really sell deodorant to teens exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah like positioning and and investment in that you know it matters a lot too and so i'm just mentioning that because that is already it's a baked in factor when we're talking about art um and it's mm-hmm. and so and there's even like a, whenever you're doing storytelling, it's like, oh, I like this because it reminds me of this. Like I made the mistake of going on to my Goodreads um, oh, and that's something you should never sorry. do. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I know. I'm still not over it. Like, yeah. What, if, what was the what was the vibe? <laughs> the vibe was not good. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like I'm, I'm, why? I'm like really shocked. That you liked it like that's like that's why i'm like oh like okay wait like whenever i initially you got your about? email but who, <laughs> well, wait, who were these people that were reviewing it on goodreads that's i don't question. know like greg t i don't know like somebody who's like this isn't a star war <laughs> like what is this <laughs> uh greg but, t by the way is for the new yorkers uh, who are listening is the guy on the subway who sees something and says something <laughs> Oh my it's god! Like, be, be like Greg T with two G's. Oh my god! Well, like the thing is, is that so I actually love graphic novels, um, and like I'm not a comics head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at it's all. Most but if you I, if I do you like we're novels. making comics, and um, it's like people make comics for other comics artists to read, and then that's who reads them. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love, I do love graphic novels i have i've yeah have for a very long time and um i am always drawn to queer content in that area i, I think it's especially in that genre i think especially because yeah. like um well i mean it, like i love queer books too and i, I love queer like i like obsessed with queerness right that's like why i have this podcast <laughs> but mm-hmm. um i think something that really you know, I was a big reader growing up, but actually, like, you know what I was really, really into were, were the, um, like, the funnies, like, not comics, but, like, the stuff that's, like, at the back of the Chicago Tribune on any given day or on Sundays. Like, I, like, loved that mm-hmm. shit. I was, like, a big, like, foxtrot head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> super deep. You're one of those. <laughs> yeah, super deep into Calvin it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just, like... <laughs> this is like, my frame. Oh, God. Right here is my framed... Um, you can't see it, but I'm just pointing to it. That's yeah. the last Calvin and Hobbes that ever ran. And I, oh, like, whoa. you know, it was in the paper and I cut it out and I put my rollerblades on my feet and I rollerbladed to the package store that was like a mile and a half from my house. And I like brought that yeah. with my sweaty hands and I had them eliminate <laughs> it. And I have had it, like, I, I don't know how old I was, a child. And then um, yeah. I've had it ever since. And and I framed it and it's like now in my office, but it's laminated within the frame, which is very funny. A child thinking they should laminate something is very funny, but I knew I wanted well, to save it. Lamination ever... is fun. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you've ever read <laughs> the final Calvin and Hobbes, but it's beautiful. It's like this beautiful, it really is anybody that's listening. You should look it up. It's, it's like incredibly beautiful. Also, Katie, my spouse, when we moved in together, she has the largest, it's like a six foot by four foot Calvin and Hobbes framed thing that's also in our house so we have multiple Calvin oh, and Hobbes that's things. sweet <laughs> but um anyway this is all just to say this is like a uh I really loved and cared about these characters and obviously like I wasn't in Foxtrot like the, like I wasn't reading about myself 
this was like a big part of my childhood. I watched a lot of cartoons. Like I was never a comics head, but I was a big X-Men fan, you know, or like I was a big like Batman animated series fan. And then later Doug and Rugrats. Like I like loved all that stuff. And I'm not in it a little bit in Rugrats. There's some queerness in Rugrats for sure. But oh um, yeah, uh, Phil and Lil's mom, absolutely. I think is officially, is officially gay now. Yes, I think she is officially gay now. <laughs> but even like, I mean, she, she was always officially gay, but yeah. like now she's it's officially she's like official. Out. Yeah, yeah, she's out now. Which I guess actually means maybe those are IVF twins. Now that I'm realizing it, um, <laughs> I mean, could be. Yeah, I definitely. But yeah. Anyway, you know, I just think that's why this stuff matters to me so much, is because like it had a huge impact on my childhood this is like the stuff that i loved and i just was like i had no part in it like nobody was anything that was me or looked like me right Mm -hmm. like even in foxtrot there's like a girl you know there's like a sister character that has like long hair and she's kind of like a dope you know um (laughs) compared to like the cool younger brother who you like definitely want to be or in calvin and Hobbes, like which one am I, the young boy or the tiger? Like both, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah. anyway, so it's meaningful. That's, it's meaningful to find books like this and then to have the story in your book be um, something that clearly we have t- uh, lots to discuss on as it relates to yeah. art. And and the the way I kind of like see it, like queerness in the context of that book, um, there's definitely like, uh, like obviously it's a factor, and there are a few scenes that are very much like, like there is like a, a sort of um, like allusion to like her feelings after she came out. But as a person who I, I mean I don't you know I don't know if obsession is the right word, but I definitely like have read my fair share of like whatever like, I, I'm like debating do I want to say this I, I read like lesbian romance novels like amazing crazy Tell like crazy I've, I, I've read so email them okay to me like <laughs> I will I've probably read like a hundred of them but the thing that I find oh annoying God. is like if or not annoying just kind of like like trite or something is like if you focus like the storyline all on how horrible it is coming out or something like that, you know? And, and I wanted to make this, this Caroline story, the cannibal be like, yeah, like this is a queer person, but like, who, you know, it's not, I mean, there's elements of like romance, I suppose, like there doesn't work out, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, but it's more about the book and like her, emotional state which is obviously going to be influenced by her life so it's hard to I guess that's why I want to be like how do I want to say this because it's definitely there it's just you know I I don't want to have the same uh sort of but you know coming out is not what makes this queer I mean I don't know I'm not trying to tell you what's queer about your book but like it's like I like that there's nudity and the nudity nudity, (laughs) like makes sense and then also like this character um Tell me about this character. Uh, Which one? Oh my god. Oh, Pen. Yeah. Uh, Penelope. Yeah, that's like, um, I guess 
I kind of put put her in there to be like a uh, like foil, I guess, um, to Caroline being like uh, a lot more accepting of or not accepting, but like doesn't have that sort of self hatred and like this huge ego thing. Yeah, and is much more like you know this is like living her life in a way that's a little healthier, I guess. Sure. I mean, that's totally in there. I will also say just the way that you've drawn these characters, like that person, it took me a minute to register anything that was going on for that person. Cause maybe she has a shaved head, um, Mm -hmm. but it's like a representation of hair. That's like that I've never seen before um, in a graphic novel. And then I think also just like the clothes and also the way that these characters are not necessarily drawn as something that we could like place as a tr- like traditionally attractive in especially like mm-hmm. the comics world right like there's like Jean Grey <laughs> mm-hmm. and like then there's like these characters and so I just think yeah. that is also really important and and something that's really great about it you know I think it's it's I mean I don't know for you why those choices were made uh, I I, to know. I used I used to draw my character's like really really ugly like I loved doing it I give them like these like crazy like actually so my first the first version of Cannonball was published in um Bias and the way I used to sort of draw the characters was um like like not it was like distracting like it's like oh they're like too weird looking like (laughs) So this is like a toned down version where they, be, they become more, more symbols, I guess, than they are like having a lot of detail, which now, and that came from like, a, I'm like thinking about it as like, I'm telling stories in a s- series of symbols. So uh, having something that's easy to read as like, this is this character and not this character was like very important to me. As far as the shaved head thing goes, um, I think I've, I've shaved my head a few times in my life. I don't remember if I had at some point while I was working on this book, I had shaved my head and I was just like thinking about shaved heads. Uh, I kind of just do that. Like I, I shave my head and then my hair grows out like it is right now. And then I shave my head and I, I don't, I don't get haircuts. Like I haven't gone and gotten a haircut since 2009. Like I just do it myself or shave my head. Like well, I that makes sense. I mean, it's like very. That's really important information to know. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I think that the reason I'm curious as to the reason why, and and then we can like wrap in a moment. But I'm curious as to the reason why you were drawn to. I mean, you just use the word ugly, but like, why are you oh. drawn to drawing characters like that? Um, I really it's not a conscious decision that I made. I don't think I don't have any sort of deep wisdom about it. It's just, (laughs) it's just how I draw people. And I've kind of always done that. And it's always been like, yeah, like it's, it's, it was just really fun, I guess, to do these kind of um, like the first time I, I, the character Caroline is something that is like a, a character that I've used in a few other stories, like, uh, there's a chapter in Cannonball called Beautiful Geniuses. And that was the name of a short, like that wasn't the original Cannonball short. That was also called Cannonball. And it's still up on Vice, I think. So you can like see the 
ugly drawings. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. They're not ugly. They're fine. They're great. Uh, you did a good job. Yes, uh, the, absolutely. You did a good job. Hundred uh, percent. I think. The, I, I think it's like uh, it's just interesting to me that like beauty is not a factor in how you're trying to represent people. And by the way, it's like, yeah, I mean, there are a zillion, especially in terms of like adult animation, there are a zillion mm -hmm. shows that I think don't necessarily depict um, women as attractive, yeah. you know, as like I mean, their top <laughs> thing. But I just think when you're talking about queerness or like lesbian identity at all, or like AFAB queerness. I just think that being asked to present as traditionally beautiful is like something that's so foisted on our community that, you know, it's striking to interact with something where there are characters that are not following that paradigm. Cause it just, it feels like yeah. a permission thing, you know? Um, because I don't always see, I mean, outside of like, <laughs> like, I, like I don't necessarily see those people on television. So it's yeah. interesting that at least they're in your book thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that's just not something I've ever considered before. I just, that's just the way that I drew them, you know? Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am also a big fan of cartoons and I think that's where I came into a lot of this. That makes sense. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I like, it's it's weird whenever you have like a visual representation of a character that you've created because you're kind of like like I don't I don't know if other cartoonists can like relate to this but it's like you kind of like have a crush on your characters you know so like you you're like okay well uh you know this this person is going to do the thing that I wish I could do or like this person's going to say the stuff that I wish I could say and you know like I. I don't, I don't know if I had like a crush on Caroline because she would be terrible. Like if we, we dated, <laughs> so I know it's weird to think about, but like, that's just the way that you kind of get to know your characters almost too. It's like, you're putting them in, in situations like, Oh, what would it be like if Caroline had a Twitter? That's actually not something I thought of before now, but I'm doing a lot more as I become more um, like confident as a writer, I guess, where it's, I kind of, shied away from it at first because you kind of you can get caught in an infinite loop if you're <laughs> writing a book and all you do is like like okay like what would it let's write a, sh a, a short or something where they all go to target or they all go to the beach it's like <laughs> it's like that's fun and everything and it's great and you, and you should do it and that's all that, I mean that's what I mean like I think you should do that stuff but there were so many people I saw like you know, that would do that and be like, now I need to, to find out what the weather patterns are on this like fake continent that my <laughs> fantasy characters live on. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's important, but you haven't written like the first chapter, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's called world builders disease and <laughs> there's like a term for it. So, oh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's where you just get caught in an infinite loop of revising and like building up a world, like that is really cool and, and really creative and fun, but you never start the story. So like that, I don't know why I even started talking about this, but 
Oh, I've never heard of that before, but I feel like whatever the opposite of that is, that's, I think what I have. Um, (laughs) Where you're just like, I'll figure it. I'm like, I'll figure it out as I go along. Yeah. Put them in the situation and then revise later if it doesn't make sense. Like sometimes I'll be like, I'll have a character like, and I'm working on two other books right now at the same time, which is kind of crazy. But uh, one of them is like a YA story that uh, is based off of like uh, a short story that I found on a flash drive in my closet from like when I was 19. (laughs) So it feels very like real or something in a way. And then uh, it's, and it's also, it's, I've put it into a category, I guess, the the sort of elevator pitch or something um, is like emo Daria. (laughs) It's like what I kind of like put it in as my, so like there's, that's kind of like the, it's very like hot topic, I guess, looking. And then uh, the other one is this, like the 400 page one that's like, uh, oh, and that one's called Everyone Sucks But You and it comes out in like 2024 or something. Great. Um, and then the other one is uh, called Eden 2, and it's like a sci-fi story, but it's kind of like mumblecore sci-fi, I guess. Uh, a bunch of like people interact with uh, a new... It's, it's like an, an alternate reality that you can access that's kind of treated as a video game, as a, like a product, <laughs> And it's, uh, like, all of these characters sort of interacting with it. And, like, uh, some of the book, some of the parts of the book is, like, about, like, fantasies. Like, because I, I think about fantasies a lot. Like, what, how they interact with um, how you live your actual life and how they can actually be detrimental in a way. Um, and then uh, other ones are about, like, like, not not identity in the sake of like how other people perceive you, but like identity in the sake or in the case of like how, um, like what you really want, you know? And so if you had the ability to, let's say like project your, uh, most, your deepest desire onto the wall or something as a photo, it would be like, there'd be the thing that you want it to be and the thing that it is, you know, and they might be different. Wow. So I can't wait to read these <laughs> further books from you. Yeah. Um, it sounds like they're totally different from what. From yeah. What that, yeah. Um, it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. And Kelsey, we're like reaching the very end of our time. And I just wanted to ask you before we head out for the day to shout out a queero, which is a person, place or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Do you have a queero to shout out? So I guess the first thing that comes to mind is just uh, is a movie that I recommended to someone earlier today that I loved and like it's from 2003 uh, and it's directed by Angela Robinson who did a lot of episodes of The L Word yeah and also some other movies um, it's called Debs uh, yeah, sure <laughs> have you have you seen it of course I've seen Debs come on okay oh my god I love that movie so much and I recommend it to anybody. And so like, that's, that's, I like the, the sort of like goofy rom-comness of it because it's so rare that you get a queer rom-com. It's like, there's like so few, you know, and yeah, that so one few. is, 
And then if you add another element of like sort of like spy the school. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, spy school. It's like an element of the fantastic. So it's like not just like, oh, two people, like an Imagine Me and You or something. It's like, oh, this is just a, you know, a re- regular like regular rom-com there's no element of the fantastic it's nobody's a super spy nobody's like a international diamond thief you know absolutely uh, yeah um it's just like flower shop and a career of unknown career um, uh, so it's party journalist planner. i think party planner no and imagine she, she's, she's, isn't that what she is no no one's a Florist. I mean, and the, other the florist one, one. Cersei is a florist, and uh, uh, fucking sorry. She's a journalist. Piper Pear was a journalist. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Carrie Ugly uh, is a. Uh, I think she's a journalist because she like, but she's just on a computer in one scene hmm. where she says uh, something like they met each other and. It was love at first sight. Right. And then she types, like, let me edit my work. Right. And then uh, it's like, and then they were in, a, in love for the next 50 years. Right. Uh, do you believe in love at first sight? Okay. Like I that, think I'm that, getting that, confused because they like meet because Lena Headey. At like, the wedding. Lena Headey did the flowers. Right. Yeah. Did the flowers I, for her wedding. And as right. you know, the florist stays for the whole wedding and glances at you. Classic. like longingly yeah, From totally. the sidelines the whole time. 100%. Uh, yeah, but that, that was one of my favorite things, uh, whenever I was like late teens, I love that movie and make people watch it, um, which they did enjoy because it's excellent. (laughs) Well, there's a really excellent DDR scene in that movie. That's really what's important about it, but. um, Oh yeah, it is. I feel like dancing. (laughs) Uh, I've seen that movie a lot of times. Well, it seems like we finally hit the exact intersection of our cultural knowledge. Um, (laughs) But oh yeah, like I I have a Letterboxd. You know that that app, Letterboxd, that where I have like a list of all of the like like queer movies I've seen, and it's like four hundred (laughs) long. So it's like, yeah, I can I can send you that if you want. It it doesn't have to be part of whatever. But Kelsey, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. You're into queer shit. I'm, I like that about you. I'm pr- I'm pr- I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'm proud of this long list. I've watched a lot of really terrible <laughs> movies. Um <laughs> I can't wait to find out how many of them I've seen, but I feel like it's a lot. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. It was a total pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. 